one of the great things about what I do is I get to work with individuals that want to change the world, that want to create an impact, that have a vision, that have a mission in life. That's the reason I want to share with you this conversation I have with Dr. Eric Cole. Actually, he delivered a keynote at the Next Level Virtual Leadership Summit, and it talks about how to protect your family and your business from cybersecurity attacks. Because let's be real, right now in the middle of over the culture that we're in right now, every single one of us, we have a phone. And every single one of us, we are open to a cybersecurity threat. So watch this video, get some insight of how to protect your family and your business from any attack in the cyber world. Because his mission and his vision is to make cybersecurity safe for you and I. Let's bring him up to the stage, Dr. Eric Cole. I want to share a couple stories with you. In prior to 1954, for a hundred years, a hundred years, people believed that a human could not run a mile in under four minutes. There was no mathematical proof, there was no test, there was nothing validating from doctors, but some limited mind person said a human being, if they run a mile in under four minutes, will die. And everybody on the planet believed them. And nobody ran the mile. People had the capability, but no one was able to break the four-minute mile. Then in 1954, a gentleman by the name of Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. Now, if it was true that humans couldn't do this, that would have been an anomaly. You would have had the one 1954, and we would have went back to another 75 years of no one doing it. What happened within six months of him doing that? Three other people did it. What happened a year? 20 other people did it. Today, 70 years later, over 1,400 people have ran a mile in under four minutes, which proves one thing. One of the most powerful things that could hold you back in your advancement is limited beliefs. And those were what we've been talking about all morning and all afternoon. What four-minute miles are in your mind that are holding you back? What are limited beliefs that are not letting you get to that next level? In my personal experience, you can have all the talent you want. You can have all the contacts and all the experience. But if you have limiting beliefs, they will stop you from getting to that next level. Now, there's one little problem with these things called limited beliefs. If I asked you all right now to take out a piece of paper and write down your limiting beliefs, you would probably get some of the easy ones. You'd probably get some of the basic ones. But the ones that are really effing you up, the ones that are really screwing with you, that have been with you for 15, 20 years, are in the subconscious mind. What we've been talking about, you do it without even realizing it. They are programmed into you and you're not even aware that those are happening. So what I found is this amazing app that Carrie built, and I know we have some brothers who are new to the program. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're not familiar, this program has an amazing app that you use to track your progress. You enter in points every single day, and there are seven points that you do to track your progress. There's two things in the app I want to talk about. The first one is in order to see your limited beliefs. 
in order to go in and get those subconscious limited beliefs that are buried deep within your mind, there's really two ways to do that. One is with external checking, and the other one is with third-party validation. What I mean by that is one way to see your limiting beliefs that are holding you back is to step back and look at your life from a third-party perspective. Look at it as if you're helping a friend, evaluating somebody, and separating out. Well, how do you do that? What you do is you have to journal and be honest with yourself of what's happening in your life. That's something called the King's Code. I know the brothers in the program know that, but the new brothers, there's something called the King's Code where every day you basically say, how did I adjust? How did I adapt? And how did I execute today? And that's going to give a snapshot of where your mind is out if you're honest with that. So one of the things that I do is every Saturday morning, and I did it this morning, I get up and I look back over the last two weeks of my King's Code. I do that because now every King's Code I look at twice because it's two weeks worth, and I say, okay, what are the patterns that I'm seeing? What are the reoccurring themes that I'm looking at? Because now I'm looking at it from a third-party perspective. I'm looking at it externally. The second thing that King's Code does is it goes in and lets other people comment. I'm so upset I got to spend some time with him that Jose left, but he helped me see one of my huge limiting beliefs that just had a breakthrough about three weeks ago, which is, I did not think I was worthy of love. And I know that's some deep mojo stuff going on there, but, but it was one of those where I would be so mean to myself, I would never tolerate that in every other area, and Jose helped me see that. So by having other people in the brotherhood comment and give you feedback, you doing an independent validation, you can now start to see those limiting beliefs. Now, I'm not... I'm not trying to pick on anyone. I'm far from perfect. But I just want to ask all of you brothers a question. If your King's Code looks like this, how effective is it going to be in finding your limiting beliefs? So your Tuesday King Code is fist pump. And your Wednesday King Code is owned my stuff today. And your Thursday King Code is done. And your Friday king code is crush the week. Your Saturday king code is essentially I'm busy with my family, which means I'm doing nothing, but I'm going to get credit for the point. But now, you redeem yourself on Sunday. You really come through? Because on Sunday, not one and not even two, but on Sunday, you got three fist pumps, right? So, so you really, really recovered on that one, right? I, I love you guys, right? I'm just sort of being honest with you here. It's a tool, but are you using it as a weapon? Are you really taking it to that next level of using it if you're not giving the honest feedback to both help yourself and be able to help others? And then the other key thing, which I don't want to ruin any surprises, but I, I think we might get to experience a little bit today, is that ritual, to, to me, the ritual grounds you so when you write the King's Code, you have a clear perspective. Because if you have all that crazy stuff going on in your mind, you're not going to be able to write an honest King's Code. So I always go in and do the ritual, get clear and focused, and then you write that King's Code and just be honest with what's going on in your life so you can see the patterns, you can change and overcome those limiting beliefs that you see there. So to me, that's the first key thing of utilizing technology. Second little story, and I only have three that I'm going to share with you. My second story 
is another thing that really I learned in the brotherhood that drives everything I do. In 1996, the British crew team, the rowing team, the eight-person boat came in sixth place. They didn't even win a medal. So when they're planning for the 2000 Olympics in Sydney, Australia, the British Olympic Committee basically decided we're not even going to worry about the six-person. It's too competitive. So what they did is they took all their best rowers and they put them in the first single-person crew. They took the next best and put them in the double. They took their next best and put them in the fourth. And then whoever was left over, they put in the eight-person. So these folks were not expected to win. However, if you want to talk about people that had something to prove and people that had a little bit of an attitude, it was these eight folks. So in 1998, two years before the 2000 Olympics, they decided that they were going to get single-focused. And they said, if we want to win the Olympic gold, that was the only acceptable. Silver wasn't acceptable. It had to be gold. What did they need to do? And they decided that they needed to have the fastest boat on the water. So you ready for this? For two years, every decision they made was a single question. Will it make our boat go faster? Will it make our boat go faster? So if somebody called them up and said, hey, you want to go get drinks tonight? You want to go get a couple of pints? Will it make our boat go faster? Nope, they don't do it. Getting up at 5 a.m. and going to the gym. Will that make the boat go faster? Yes, we do it. Going in and going away for three weeks on vacation. Will that make the boat go faster? Nope, so they don't do it. And essentially, they were obsessed with that single question. And if you read the book or know anything about it, they ended up winning gold in Sydney in the 2000 Olympics. Nobody was betting on them to win because they were obsessed with that single criteria or single goal. So one of the things that my team laughs at me now and my family laughs at me, but whenever we're going to make a decision, I ask them that. Will it make the boat go faster? Will it let me achieve the goals that I want? Will it let me get where I need to go? And that's also very important that you tie it back to your limiting beliefs. Because, for example, one of the ones we run across a lot, if you have a limiting belief that money is the root of all evil, and you have a limiting belief from when you were younger that rich people are crooks, and the only way to become a millionaire is to rip other people off, you could have the best goals on the planet. How effective are you going to be at getting money. You're not, because that limiting belief is going to hold you back. So you need to then go in and pick that clear goal. Now, when you're picking the goal, you want to make sure that everything you do complements it. Will it make the boat go faster? Where I see a lot of people going into problems, and I did the same thing, is we have seven, eight, or nine different goals that conflict each other, and we feel like we're on that hamster wheel. And we're just jumping around and not very clear. So what I've learned with the app is I have one goal this year, and my primary goal is Secure Anchor will have over 10 million in revenue with 60% margins by December 15th. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-based, excites me, and relevant. Fits all those criteria. Now, here's where the app is so powerful. 
Most people, when they do goals, they're so focused on that one goal, let's say building the company, that they go in and destroy all other areas of their life. They don't exercise because they're obsessed with the goal. They don't spend time with their family. They don't go in and take care of themselves. So what happens? December 15th, they have a $10 million company. They're on medicine. They've had a heart attack. They're divorced, and they have no connection with God. Is that really a good outcome? So what I've learned with the four Bs is instead of having them go in and be contradictory, what if they complement your goals? So I go in and say, if I want to achieve 10 million in revenue, what do I need to do with my body? I need to be optimized. I need to go in and 32-inch waist, I need to get back to, I call my fighting weight, but uh, as Dr. Bart will talk about a little bit, uh, but, but I need to go in and take care of my body. So now I have goals in the app that are focused on body. And then I also, if I'm going to achieve that, I better have my queen in such great position and supporting that she's going to understand if I'm working a little late. She's going to be behind me 100%. Because if I come home every night and she's angry, I'm not taking care of her, I'm not feeding my family, I'm not going to be able to achieve that goal. And once again, if I don't have a connection with the voice or that higher person. So what I actually do is I'll go in and take the app and I have specific things under body, under being, under business, and under uh, bonds that I have to achieve in order to get the points for that day. So now it's an accountability tool that holds me and goes forward. Now, of course, all, all the, guys, the virtual guys, uh, you won't get this, but in here they all laugh at me because I'm very structured and organized with what I do. So I'm not saying you got to go old school, but, but what I do is this I carry around with me. I carry around with me on the front. It's what I found to be my version of a vision board. And what I do is in the center, I have my 2021 goals. I have my primary goal, and then I have sub-goals. Uh, in this case, I have two for body, two for bonds, one for being, and one for business. So I actually have my seven goals here. And every time I have a free moment, every time I'm not doing something, I'm reading these. And the reason is simple. As Raul talked about, your mind is a goal-achieving machine. If you give it a target, it will achieve it. I always laugh because when I was a kid, you always read about having a magic genie that would grant you three wishes. And what I realized today is we have a magic genie that will grant us whatever wishes we want. But it's what are we focused on? Most of the time, we're not focused on what we want. We're focused on what we don't want. We're focused on not being in an empowered state. So I actually have my goals here that I read all the time. And then I have... I have a body, bonds, business, and being, and then I have my subcategories here. So this is always in front of me, always present. And then on the back, I took all my limiting beliefs, made them empowering truths, and I have my first quarter, what I'm going to do in each of the four areas. So, so now basically you have all of that, and then every Sunday, I go in and you schedule out the week. Because one of the things I found is things that are scheduled, you get done. Things that aren't scheduled, you know, if there's a doctor's meeting and it's scheduled, you're going to be there. But if there's something you need to do and it's not scheduled, it's not a priority. So you need to make those things a priority. And then the last thing, which is really what I want to briefly talk with you about with cybersecurity, is what I call baking your pie. And this is one of my other favorite stories. Marie Callender. Now, if you don't know who Marie Callender is, just go to any frozen food department. Now, 
What I've learned is, if you're going to go to the dessert section in a grocery store, make sure you either leave your phone in your car or turn off location services. Because Dr. Bart has a special, I mean, I tell you, every time I go to get ice cream, I, I kid you not, I get a text from Dr. Bart, hey, dude, how you doing? I'm like, how is he doing this, right? How does he know, right? So you got to leave your, your phone there. But if you go there, you'll see Marie Callender. She has pies everywhere. When she sold her company 10 years ago, $400 million. Let me show you how she got started. She was a single mother working at a diner that was going out of business. And it was her only job. She had her kids. She had the support. Now, she was doing everything, a single mom. She was exhausted. She was tired. She was getting up early. But something in her, a voice told her, go to the owner and ask if you could bake a pie. So she went to the owner and said, listen, I bake pies really good. I do it better than anyone else, and it's relatively easy for me. Can I bake a pie and bring it in to sell it? And the owner's like, whatever, right? He's going out of business. He's like, whatever you want to do. So she goes in and bakes one pie. She comes in the next day, and all the slices sell out. So she bakes another pie. The next day, by 10 a.m., people are coming in and saying, we want the pie, and they're sold out. He sends her home to make another pie. So now she's making two pies. And now people are buying pies for parties and events, three pies, 10 pies. So he eventually saves up her money and gets a commercial oven, so now she's doing pies. Six months later, the dude isn't selling hamburgers anymore. All he's doing is selling pies, she buys out the diner. And then she opens up one store, 50 stores, 100 stores. Because what she did is she found her purpose. Her purpose in life is what you do with the most ease that you enjoy and better than anybody else. And for her, it was baking pies. Now, what I love about that story is what if she talked herself out of making that first pie? We always like looking at successful people when she's worth $400 million going, that was easy. But it wasn't. She was supporting her family. So to me, what is the pie that you need to bake? What is that thing that you need to start doing that you're not? And I'll just urge you, because I had this problem, where you sometimes get the P's confused. There's purpose, which is the thing you do the best with the least amount of effort, and there's passion. Passions are things you enjoy, but you're not very good at, right? And very often, we focus on our passions, and we go after things that we enjoy, but that's not our purpose. My purpose in life, the reason why I believe I'm here is to end suffering in cyberspace, is to essentially make cyberspace a safe place to live, work, or raise a family. That's what I believe I'm here for because, simple example, when we were all little or we had kids, when they were three or four years old, we taught them about physical safety. We went in and said, don't take candy from strangers. Don't get in the car with somebody you don't know. Look to the left. Look to the right before you cross the street. I remember my youngest, 
And uh, it, me, me and Raul have a special connection because our youngest daughters are both Abigails. And, and we love our Abigails and our Abigails ride horses. And our Abigails also help us grow to that next level, right? So uh, my youngest daughter, Abigail, when she was in kindergarten and I would pick her up from school, I would get out of the car to give her a hug and she would scream, stranger danger, stranger danger. And the police, and, and she, I'm like, honey, it's not funny if dad gets arrested. And I kid you not, at five years old, she goes, dad, it's not funny for you, but it's very funny for me if that happened. I'm like, oh man, when she starts, right, she's 15 now, she's awesome. Uh, but the point is, we've taught our kids and we've all been trained. Now check this out. At whatever age, we got a cell phone. Nobody ever warned us. Nobody gave us any directions. And our kids, how many of us, when our kids were five, six, seven, eight, or nine years old, we gave them a cell phone and said, have fun. We never gave them any direction. We never told them about the dangers. We never told them about the issues out there. Do you realize that child abductions with the use of social media in the last four years have increased 700%? Because your kids are good, smart, trusting, but unfortunately they're naive. And you know how many people out there pose themselves as 14, 15, or 16-year-old uh, girls or boys when they're really 45-year-old dirtbags? And they go in and, and they're specialized to connive your kids to give out information, give out details, and eventually give out their address. So to me, from a family perspective, we're seeing cybersecurity have a huge, huge impact. Also, business-wise, same exact thing. I will tell you there's no guarantees in life, but I will guarantee that if your company has not been a victim of a cyber attack, it will be over the next 12 months. Do you realize in the last 18 months, attackers switched from really big companies to small medium? And the reason is simple. I was chief scientist at Lockheed Martin. We got breached all the time. But do you realize when I was responsible for security for Lockheed Martin, I had a budget of $85 million and I had a team of 400 people. Good luck getting in. Bring it, right? We, we had good resources. How many of you in your business, in your family life, are spending $85 million on security? How many of you have a team of 400 people? You don't. So from the adversary's perspective, here's how they view the world. I could spend a year trying to break into Lockheed Martin, and I could get a million records. Or within two weeks, I could target a million individuals, steal their information, and I still end up with the same amount of info. So first thing I wanna do, because it is my passion, it is my baking my pie that I wanna get across to you is you need to recognize that every one of you are going to be a target. You have to start taking cybersecurity seriously because that will put you in a fearful state. That will put you in a primal state. So I told Raul I would keep this fairly short. So to me, I just want to give you quick five takeaways. First takeaway, go in to any of your banking, any of your e-commerce, any of your applications, Office 365, any of those, and turn on something called two-factor authentication. It's called 2FA or 2 Passwords are a joke. If you give me permission and you have any account that's based on a password, I will get in within 45 seconds. 
Passwords are a joke. I don't care how complex you make them. I don't care how clever you think you are. Passwords are not an effective means of communication. So you need to go in and turn on that robust authentication. It's called two-factor authentication. So that's first thing you need to make sure you do. Second, make sure you're running an up-to-date operating system that's fully patched and use it dedicated for work. I will tell you, the threat that is the biggest threat to any of you sitting in here and online, it's not foreign adversaries, it's not organized crime. It's a 16-year-old that does TikToks. TikTok is an application that was created, engineered, and designed by a foreign threat actor. And it is one of the most popular apps out there. If you let your kids use your work computer, game over. Right? I have a rule in my house, uh, my cell phone, my work computer, my iPads, they do not use them. My kids do not touch them. They do not know the password. So you need to make sure you have separate systems for work that are locked down, protected, secure. Third thing, stay away from the F word. I hate the F word. When I hear the F word, I get angry, I get mad. To me, the F word is the worst word ever created in the history of the world. And of course, the F word I'm talking about is free. What were you thinking? I, I, I see Alex and a few of you go, hey, what, are you, what are you guys thinking? I know what Dave's always thinking, so I won't go, I, I won't go there, but that's a different story. But free, free is not free. Let me help you out here. Facebook. Current value, it's fluctuated with all the craziness going on. But using a conservative estimate, it's worth over $8 billion. And they have a free service. Can anyone explain that to me? I'll explain it to you. It's because it's not free. You are exchanging your information for that service. They are using your data and information. If you do not Believe me, do these two things. Either with your phone and computer nearby, if you use Alexa, which most people do, just go in and start talking about wanting to buy a new Ford truck. Say, I really want a new Ford truck. The Ford F-150, say it out loud, is really great. I love the new Raptor. I will guarantee to you, within 24 hours, all of the ads that start popping up, well, guess what? Be for Ford trucks. Right? They, people always argue, they go, Eric, they aren't listening. Let me ask you a question. If you say Alexa or Siri or any of those and they answer you, if they're not listening, how do they answer? Right? It is listening all the time. Or just go into Google and search on Ford F-150 and you'll see all those ads coming up. So they are using your information, they are tracking you, they are monitoring you. So for business purposes, Never go with free. I always have people go, Eric, why in the world would I, somebody pay a buck 99 for the same app that's free? That's crazy. I always pay the buck 99. Because here's what you get. If you pay the buck 99, they don't turn on your microphone. They don't turn on your camera. They don't turn on access to your photos. If you go free, then they absolutely will. Notice the next time you get a free app, the first time you start it up, it's going to say, can we access your camera? Can we access? And if you say no, it doesn't work. Now ask yourself, why does this application need to access it? 
One of the number one downloaded apps, it's a flashlight app that has different strobe modes and cool. It's a really cool high-end flashlight. It's free. It has been downloaded 3.2 million times. It is created by a foreign country. And in order for it to work, it must turn on your camera, microphone, email, and access to all your photos. Why does a flashlight app need that access? It doesn't. So be careful with free. Fourth piece of advice. The good news is almost all the applications you utilize today have security built in. There is security built in, but you have to turn it on. It's not turned on by default. One of the best features you can put on for your bank, your credit cards, your investment taxes, is account notification. When somebody tries to log into your account, you get a text notification. When somebody goes in and tries to transfer money, do you realize low-end financial fraud since the COVID happened has increased 1,200%? What I talk about is this. At almost every bank, if you're doing an EFT under $500, they're not required to notify you. Attackers know that. So what do you think they do when they break into your account? $499. And you don't know about it. And with financial fraud, when you're doing banks or debit cards, you have 36 hours. Because after 36 hours, the money is gone and the liability is on you. But what if you got a notification because you turned it on, even though it's not default, that said somebody's trying to transfer money, is it approved? And you say no, you just went in and stopped that attack. So you need to get visibility into your accounts, visibility into what's happening. And then final piece of advice is the two most dangerous applications on planet Earth are email, clients, and web browsers. They are the source of almost all evil. That's where phishing attacks and all these come into place. So what I do and I train everyone is go in and use two separate devices. I have one computer that I use to do my work, create my reports, do my analysis, and then I have a separate iPad that I use for checking email and surfing the web. Now, even when I make a mistake, which I do, and I click on a link, because it's a non-Windows-based device, do you realize 99.9% .9 of malware only runs on Windows? So now if you're using a non-Windows-based device, the probability of infection is low. And even if it was something malicious and it impacted my Apple, I don't have anything on that, so I just re-image the device. So by going in and creating a habit of having those two devices there is going to help protect and secure your organization. So I just want to thank you for letting me share my passion, my purpose. See, I confused the P's, right? My, my purpose, my life mission with you. I ask that you find your purpose. And then most importantly, I want to thank you because to me, the most important asset on the planet, it's not gold, it's not oil, it's not money, it's your time. So thank you for giving me 20, 25 minutes of your time. Hope you got some value out of this. And most importantly, Raul, not only thank you for entrusting the stage to me, but thank you and your family for everything you do. You have truly changed my life. Thank you. If you're a businessman and you're ready to lead, go to findmynextlevel.com so you can sign up for the Leadership Summit, an experience that's going to help you lead with power. Go to findmynextlevel.com. That's findmynextlevel.com. I'll see you there.